Ooh, that looks tasty. Welcome, folks. Today, the Hungry Gamer is back with Don Baggett from the Secret Cabal. And today, we're just going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. And before we get started, though, since this is Boards and Brews, Don, what are you drinking today? I have a lovely uh, Fort Point uh, KSA. It's a San Francisco brewery. You know, you should get Tony to break uh, international shipping laws and send you some because it is delicious. Or not international yeah, so shipping laws. That's crazy. Uh, state, uh, state shipping laws. Statewide. Yeah, state yeah. state uh, lines. So I today have what is my favorite beer right now. It has been for a good long time. And that is a loose cannon IPA. This is a 7.25% alcohol by volume. This is brewed locally at the Heavy Seas Brewery. And I sort of fell in love with this one whenever we uh, took a tour of that brewery. Uh, it's been around since 1995, and it's sort of just off of the Baltimore Harbor. I live at the Baltimore, D.C. Beltway. Um, and, uh, and they have these huge barrels full of hops, and you smell those hops. And, uh, you know, they, they teach you how to properly drink a beer, in fact, right? So you definitely want to have a pint glass so you can smell, and that's part of the, the, the fun of it, right? Well, you know, a lot of people actually watch the video, the, the podcast, they're listening. So, I mean, you can demonstrate how Oh, to okay, I can do that. Beer. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, maybe you'll get a sponsorship. Doubtful. I think I'm quite a bit of their uh, income flow right now, though. So they, <laughs> You are their income? <laughs> they, they owe me somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. My, my wife was uh, just saying she's actually in uh, her office. on a. She works in a construction, and they have um, happy hours every now and then. And one of the people wanted, let's do flights of wine. And she said, I'm by myself. I'm not opening three <laughs> bottles of wine because I was off at rehearsal for something and she keeps, because their uh, construction company buys a lot of, used to buy a lot of wine for events and stuff. And she keeps getting called from all these different wineries, you know, trying to pitch her stuff. So, oh no, we'll, we'll send you a free flight if you want to get this. And she gets like, what am I going to do with the case of wine? Well, we know what we'll do with a case of yeah, wine. Exactly. What we are we going to do with, <laughs> yeah, with, with eight cases of wine in our house? Anyhow, we've already digressed. This is a record. Hey, I'll take it off the off the rails real quick, so get used yeah. to it. Yeah. But so um, the initial questions that people will always get asked when they come on. All right, it's rapid fire here. Who the crap are you? What is your outlet? What's your shtick? And how and why did you get started in the review game? All right. So I'll give you the first of a lot of long answers, because those of you that don't listen to the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast, uh, you should know. I talk a lot, so I think a lot of the time is is co-opted by Jamie, who's the the you know sort of the the, the host of the podcast, and myself. So anyway, well, I promise uh, not to not not to cut to cut it out like I imagine he does. Uh, so, so everybody, anyway, buckle up. Who am I? So uh, like my buddy Will here said, I'm Don Baggett. Uh, I live in the Baltimore, D.C. area, and um, I am one of the honorary founders on the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast. You can find it at thesecretcabal.com. And the podcast itself has been around for about eight years, I think now, although I've been a host on it for about the last year or so. Um, so that's the channel. Uh, what's the stick? Well, the general stick of the overall Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast is we, I, I mean, the, uh, you know, the thing we always are, are known for is insubordinate nonsense, right? And I think the thing that Jamie and the rest of us sort of shoot for is we want to be the the most punk rock of all podcasts in a sense. So, you know, that's sort of our, our group stick. Now, what now, are, are we talking like old school punk rock? Or are we talking like new we're school, talking, getting into K-pop punk rock? We're talking about you better call the cops when you book the band because it's going to head south real quick. So it's this is old school stuff. 
anyway, so uh, my particular stick on the podcast is the reason I'm there. We all kind of feel different roles in a sense, right? So for me, it's uh, Jamie liked the fact that when we were gaming together at our local meetup, uh, I would be sort of the the critical voice of a game, right? Sort of diving into the mechanisms and things like that. Uh, and he sort of thought that was cool. He thought that would be a cool part of the podcast. So I remember about a year ago, Chris Miller, who's also on the podcast, had said, uh, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? And I thought Chris was just being nice. And he asked for, I bet it was, I don't know, four months, something like that he was asking. And he was asking in like Jamie's presence. And Jamie wasn't saying anything. And I'm like, I hope he's not pissing Jamie off because it's like, Chris, you're a nice guy. What are you doing? Uh, and then finally, Jamie asked me one day. and Meanwhile, Chris, Chris probably so thought you were a jerk because you weren't jumping in. Like, oh, yeah, please. Can I? Can I? Well, I yeah, that's it just cool. it. It's like, well, the thing <laughs> was, I was a fan of the podcast before I joined the podcast, right? I mean, I remember vividly cutting my grass and listening to the podcast as I'm cutting the grass and just really enjoying the banter of these guys, five guys at the time, right? Going back and forth with all their, you know, it sounded very authentic. And now having been a part of it, I can I can vouch it is authentic, right? And um and at one, some point they said, yeah, we have our local meetup at, at Beer Mongers in York. And I thought, are they talking about York, Pennsylvania? It's only like an hour up the road. So, you know, for a couple months, I was like, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll find a time to go up there. Finally went up there, met those guys, saw them at a couple conventions. And then, uh, you know, uh, at some point they said, hey, you want to you wanna share the room at, at Gen Con? And I said, yeah. And, that, you know, we sort of went off and run from there. But I was a friend of theirs for years four or five years before I ever joined the podcast. And, and finally, you know, after Chris had asked so many times and made me rather uncomfortable, to be honest, uh, <laughs> Jamie asked, and I said yes pretty quickly after that. And Jamie said he was surprised how quickly I said yes. Well, that's because I'd been thinking about it for four months, right? Um, and the reason Jamie was staying so quiet is he was gauging how I was reacting to Chris's question rather than being uncomfortable with what Chris was asking, right? Uh, so anyway, that's how I got on the, the podcast. I tell you, so I, if everybody here is, is imagining like the uh, sitcom style, just pining away, trying to go to their game meetup and you finally put on all your secret cabal gear and you, you drove up and you stood in line and waited to get in and uh, something like that. You were standing outside, you know, it's five in the morning waiting for beer mongers to open. It's so funny when I did show up to beer mongers, I was, I mean, it's not just, you know, whenever you show up to something like that and you've been hearing about it for a while on a podcast or anything like that, you have a picture in your mind, right? We all sort of build pictures in our mind. And uh, it was way different than the picture I had in my mind. It was like a convenience store that they had turned into a bar slash pub type area, right? And uh, to be honest, it was a really cool place. I say was, unfortunately, because it recently shut down because of COVID. Uh, they didn't have, you know, a lot of business for six months and a small business like that. It's just, it's rough on them. So whenever all this lets up, we're going to have to find another place to be. It won't be beer mongers, but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't call it the beer mongers memorial meetup. Well, you know, if you're clever, you'll find a place a little closer to you. Hey, I if mean, I was clever. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you got to find the, like the perfect spot to get all them driving. Yeah. The problem is that there might be some spots sort of in the middle, but I, you know, the thing is I don't mind driving. It gives me a, it gives me a, a reason to leave work a little early and I can be like, ah, dang it. I got to leave work a little early. That's spoken like a man with several kids. <laughs> That's right. I got two kids actually. There you so go. I've are got a 15 year old girl. Oh, they are. Yeah. So they don't want to be around me regardless of whether I want to be around them or not. Um, so d our first topic, um, for those of you who are just listening, I I'm doing air quotes because this is very 
we, we might talk about half of what we have on this list here. But our first one is, so since you started reviewing, and the reason I asked you on instead of anybody else from the Secret Cabal um, was because you're the newest to the quote unquote review business as it were. And you know, I've been doing it a little, a little bit longer than you, not, not much longer than you. And so the first question is how has playing games changed for you since you started? I'll let you take this one first. Yeah, so it's an interesting question. I think by and large, the way someone plays games before they become a reviewer and the way they play games after they start reviewing is 99% the same. But there are definitely gears in your mind that start working when you review games that weren't necessarily engaging completely before you were reviewing, right? Um, before you'd sit down to play a game, you'd be like, well, yeah, I hope I enjoy this. And, uh, you know, how does this thing work? And then you try to win, right? Or you, you and you want everybody to enjoy that game. Don't get me wrong. It's not all about winning or losing, but you, you know, you want to win. You try to, you try to take what you think might be the best strategic path to win. And I think after you start reviewing, you start thinking more about the ingredient mechanisms in a game. It is very much less about whether you win or lose and more about, can you stress that system in a way? And how do those mechanisms adjust to the way you stress that system, right? Are there interesting strategic paths you can go down that are uh, a little odd? So you, you, I find myself sometimes thinking, okay, I, my best path, I think, would be to do this, go down this strategic path. But I want to try something a little different for this game because I want to see if it's a viable path. It's not necessarily one I would be drawn to immediately, but I've tried the other one. I want to try this one, right? That way, when you sit down and you talk about the, the pros and cons of a game, you can talk about, are the paths all viable? As far as you can tell, right? Uh, you know, are there things that are a little underpowered, things you feel are overpowered? Uh, that kind of thing. So I think it's most the approach you have before you're a reviewer and when you're a reviewer, just about the same. But you know, you have these other gears that are going whenever you uh, you're, you've become a reviewer of games, right? You're always sort of mindful that there's some output associated with that on the other end. Yeah, I've found um, oh, there's there's aspects that I never ever thought about much. Like I barely thought about art before. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, ah, oh, wow, that looks cool. But then, all right, but let's get to the game. But now, oh my gosh. I spend so much time thinking about, about the art. And the other thing that changed for me is I don't get to play as many games as I just want to play anymore. Um, I mean, so I know you guys don't do Kickstarter previews. Uh, that's just about my bread and butter. Okay. I do so many of those. And so I find I'm constantly trying these new games, uh, playing stuff two-handed so I can uh, then teach my wife how to play so she won't kill me when I can't explain what's going on. Uh, is we're good kind of going through and a lot of times I just stop saying man I haven't played a game that I just want to play because I want to yeah. play it in a long time and so but th that's been the big the big change um, off of my end and uh, uh, I, I mentioned playing games with my wife that kind of leads me right at my second one that I kind of threw threw into our questions at the end so for my wife I will not play a game with her anymore I've learned Firefly the game taught me <laughs> this which I'm now trying to sell because she will never play it again. I won't play a game with her that she can be developing a long plan. She, she's yeah. a planner. She loves, she, any, if she can plan out something and then see that come to fruition, that makes her so happy. But if I can mess up her plan, like halfway through, she will lose her mind. So Firefly, that's just a, you know, for you guys, if you don't know anybody, it's just a pickup deliver game. And we're going along, picking up, delivering, and then I moved the Reavers right into her and never played the game again. I bet the tenor I, of that marriage changed real quick. Oh, boy, <laughs> let me tell you, it, it did for that moment. I was like, well, 
I've made a choice. Let's start Googling under the table lawyers, right? That's right. You, know? you got to be careful. She knows where you sleep, Will. Yeah. Well, you know, I got personal injury lawyers is what I was Googling, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, for the most, that, that's it. That and complicated games. She, just, she didn't have any time for something complicated. But mostly it's if I can mess up her plan, she's out. How about you? What, what do you avoid with your family? Yeah, so it's very similar with my wife and I. So when I first got into the hobby, which is, I don't know, almost 20 years ago, right? I was discovering all these cool games to play. And the, the memory I have in my mind is like uh, Puerto Rico, Kalis, and we'll come back and talk about these in a bit. Puerto Rico, Kalis. Also, now, Agricola. Kalis one of the meanest games ever made? I don't... It, there are mean aspects to it, no question. Now, the whole... But the game plays as the as the table sort of dictates the games game is played right so it can it could be a little nasty. did your wife go for that excuse no <laughs> no but this i mean she played those games with me but it was only because you know it was new and i was excited about it which and you know excitement's contagious a little bit right so so she got a little excited about it not nearly as much as i did but you know that excitement fueled me to want to play more games and play almost constantly and you know it sort of caught on with me didn't catch on with her so much so we actually play less frequently now that makes sense though because i'm playing online on tabletop simulator tabletopia or in person right whenever uh whenever we were doing all that with other people and the reviewers and the cabal guys and stuff and uh so there's less need for me to pull her into my problematic hobby just put it that way right uh, but she <laughs> that, still that, plays the your, occasional uh, game that's your memoir right there my problematic <laughs> that's right. hobby that's right Don story yeah. So, but the cool thing is I've, uh, my long-term plan was to spawn and grow smaller gamers and they're becoming <laughs> teenage gamers. <laughs> and these teenage gamers are now interested in some of these games, which is really cool. Uh, you know, years ago when they were younger, they're yeah, 13. Yeah, that's really now. funny. You said so many people are like, Oh gosh, I just would love to see someone like my wife in miniature, or I'd love to see this. And you're like, nah, I wanted someone to play my games with. That's right. You got this. This is a long-term plan that we're talking about here, man. It's good. They're playing games. Cause my son's not taking out the garbage. Like he's supposed to, I'm still stuck doing that. So come on, I got to get something out of this. Um, so anyway, they're getting to the point though where they can play some of these meteor games. Not, I mean, you know, not the uber complicated stuff. You're not but, playing Feudum with them. Exactly. That's the one that comes to mind. It's like, nah, I'm not playing Feudum with them. I'm lucky to get hardcore gamers involved in Feudum, to be honest. But you know, one of the things we might talk about later is uh, my daughter is learning about, um, you know, it's a topic of conversation now, the, the electoral college and how elections generally work in the, in the states. And so, uh, you know, I, I whipped out 1960, the making of the president. And I'm like, because that's a very cool game that sort of shows you how, you know, to manipulate uh, media and the debates and things like that, and how they play and how the electoral college works. So it, it allows me to say, oh, you're learning about that? Very cool. I got a game. Let's give it a shot. And you can also go right on Kickstarter and back campaign trail right now. Yeah. I saw Which that. Is, I'm thinking about that actually. It's I I just did a preview for like it, they sent it to me like three days before they launched. I'm like, can you do this? I was like, yes, <laughs> but it's fantastic. It really? Just it's completely apolitical, which yeah. made me happy because I can't I can't deal with it's too real, you know. Yeah. But completely apolitical. It, it's it's one of the best area control games I've ever played. Really? Yeah, maybe not the best, but it, it is up there. I mean. If you ever need an excuse to back a game, your daughter's yeah. learning about it. That's right. Yeah, but she yeah. won't be learning about it in two years when the Kickstarter ships or whenever it is. But yeah, hey, maybe, maybe your son will be. That's right. Hey, that's a great point. I like the way you think, Will. See, we could yeah, be really dangerous for each other. 
Oh, this it's it's horrible. You know the uh, my buddy uh, uh people on the who watch Noma streamline Matt his his whole thing is he's like I gotta streamline it streamline it more that's that's always his complaint like he actually designed a game once and he straight up streamlined the fun out of it. Oh man, like it's it's great and then he's like this isn't fun anymore. You know, open the box, close it, done, perfectly streamlined. <laughs> but um, we 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 started a a a deal where when we see one of each other back something. We immediately text them and be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, and, and then we make the other one defend their choice to try to talk ourselves out of it. Because I, I don't know how, how much space you have, but you're looking at about all the space I got, just about. I got a little more. I got a portion of the, the, the basement here that's devoted to my games, but um, I'm overflowing. And as you can imagine, I've been gaming for, like I said, almost 20 years. And you collect a lot of games over 20 years, right? Um and, and in fact, I'm at the point now where I've, I've got to get some kind of mechanism. Like I think Tom Vassell has, if he ta- if he keeps a new game, something's got to go. So I've got to get it to that equilibrium point and have the self-discipline to maintain that equilibrium point. It gets harder when you only have stuff left that you're like, I like this game. Like, yeah. You know, cause you get, you get, you get those turds that you back or something every now and they're like, I don't like this. That's easy. But then you start getting into, you got all the, the stuff that you have like the feels for. And I but, found that different games fall into different categories, right? There's also games that, you know, that I have that I don't think I will ever play again. And that's usually my criteria, right? If I look at a game and I'm like, even if it's a great game, if I'm never going to get it to the table, better to get this game to someone else that will get it to the table. Um, so I'm infamous about giving games away to people that I think they, they and their family or they and their game group will enjoy. And uh, But the problem is I have some games that I know are never going to hit the table again, but I just refuse to get rid of them because it just has a special place in my heart for one reason or another, right? Yeah, well, like, like, like well, I, I, can, I can feel it through the screen. There's something you're thinking of that you're <laughs> almost getting teary just thinking about this game. So the game that comes to mind was actually the first game I really published as a gamer. I'm sorry, the first game I really bought as a gamer, and that's Betrayal at House on the Hill. So I remember the first time I went to a board game store, I was kind of drugged there by my friends from work. And they said, hey, you want to go to this game store? You want to go? And I was like, OK, it's one of those small decisions that makes a huge difference in your life. In hindsight, how much bigger you your house idea. would be. This is true. <laughs> how much money I would have at this point. Uh, so anyway, went and I was just looking around and they, they bought a game or two. And it was a, my local local store it, at the time. They were called games, comics and stuff. And it probably fit in an area just about the size of what you can see behind my chair here right it was very small and now it's grown to a huge store uh, in the in in the baltimore area and uh, i remember looking i was like okay if they're getting games i might as well pick up one of these games i'm looking i was like this looks pretty cool this betrayal of house on the hill you know you flip it around you look at the back and you read it okay i'll give it a shot so i bought that little did i know it was the first step down this long path many would call it a death spiral but down this long path into gamerism right well, you so know, never I mean, getting rid of that game. Maybe you're like, like you're like Sully. You know, you're just going to land right on the river, and everyone's going to be fine. You know, it's not necessarily a death spiral. <laughs> yeah, thank but, you. I appreciate that. I hope, hope you're right, Will. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, and then The Rock could play you in the movie. Perfect. Now, now we got it. Yeah, but I can see that. You know, with the Betrayal, that was one of the earlier hobby games I played too. And if you're used to playing stuff, you know, like Candyland and Monopoly, like just yeah. mind blowing. Um, that's a fun game. I, I, I think I like the uh, Baldur's Gate one slightly more. And the Betrayal Legacy, that one's a lot of fun. I don't know if you've done that one yet. Have you played that all the way through the campaign? No, COVID, you know. Uh, um, I've played I, it all the way through the campaign. Uh, I thought it was an excellent campaign game. 
Excellent yeah. campaign. We, we got through mm, probably two thirds, maybe mm -hmm. two thirds, something like that. I, I remember the, the most satisfying thing was uh, as uh, I had had one. I survived like four times, and I started. I was like eight years old. And finally, I was like, okay, I got to die of old age. I'm 124 years old and right. 1862. Like the, yeah. <laughs> the, the the math doesn't work out on that. So that's the beauty of that game, though, is that you can. You know, you can sort of define who that character is in terms of your family going throughout time. That's kind of very cool, right? It it doesn't add anything to the gameplay necessarily, but it adds to the narrative, right, over the campaign. Yeah, I'm guessing that that you guys were all you know very serious about your family names and stuff. Whereas I walked in and I'm like, "That's your name?" I was like, "All right, I'm the Power Family, and my name's Max." And then everybody from then on was a Maximilian Power, Maxine Power. But, oh, nice. You know, so we yeah. took it very seriously, as you can tell. We have we definitely haven't taken every campaign game seriously. Uh, what comes to mind is I want to say we played Pandemic Season One. We played that through as well, you know, a few years ago. And I remember, I take that back. This was um, Risk Legacy, way back. So this was Risk Legacy. It was one of Rob Davio's first, if not the first, legacy game that he designed. And I remember somebody took over Southie uh, something. It was Australia, and he ended up calling it Southeast Southeast Asia. <laughs> it was that kind of thing. And insulted an entire continent. <laughs> hey, that's where he attacked from, and that's what he took over. So that's what he called it. Well, and I assume he won because you take Australia and then you win. It was a moral victory. We'll call it that. But speaking of conquering the world, Euro games is our real topic. And one of the other reasons I wanted to chat with you, because you seem like you're the biggest into the Euros of, uh, of all the guys. Um, at least from listening is what it sounds like. Now, the first thing that we always see on Facebook and stuff, you're like, what's a Euro game? So, I mean, the real answer is there is no answer, right? It's kind of yeah. amorphous. But in your in your mind, what's a Euro game? Yeah, so there are a few characteristics that, that define Euro game. But as you said, the huge caveat here is as soon as you draw a box and you say all Euro games live within this box, somebody says, well, what about this one? And you're like, yeah, that's kind of a Euro game too. And so you, your box gets a little piece off this and then, this game, and so it's hard to define, right? For me, at least, the the, the elements of Euro game of a game that sort of make it a Euro game for me is there's usually some kind of economy or you know item transfer type mechanism where you're turning certain goods into other types of goods, or you're turning goods in for victory points. The big thing is the amount of randomness that is or is not allowed in that game. So if there's very little randomness that gets inserted into the game, that tends to be categorized sort of as a Euro game in my mind. This is not always true because I found that it's easy for us as a community to categorize things as Euro games when the randomness is coming out of a card deck. But when yep. you're rolling dice, that's that's almost the, whoa, you're rolling dice and yeah, this see, is a see, random see event. Gloomhaven, right? I mean, yeah. people talk about Gloomhaven being a Euro. I'm like, man, th those decks are every bit as random as, I guess you can count. I guess you can count them. Count the I don't know about that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the... Um, yeah, you know, that's a good point. I, I was, as you were talking, I, uh, my own definition just kind of clicked over yeah. a little bit into, to me, it's a lack of chaos mm. in the game, you know, like a real Amerist style game and you're throwing dice and what's going to happen, I don't know. But a Euro game, you know, there may be some randomness, but you know what that randomness is going to do. Oh, that's you know, a good point, yeah. You know, like like uh, uh, one of my friends we're going to talk about a little later, like Euphoria, there's dice in that, but you know what's going to happen. You know, there's three things that will happen when you roll these dice. Okay, I can plan for that. So uh, I, I, that, that's a, I'm glad you put it that way because I think you just made me define it for myself. Hmm. Um, 
And then, you know, the older Euro games are just incredibly boring thematically. Just, yeah. Yeah, that's know. right. This dry kind of theme applied to it, right? Yeah. Uh, my, my buddy, J Johnny Pack, um, his uh, game Sierra West was some outlet made it, it was like runner up Euro of the year for, for them. And this, the description, and, and Johnny shared this with me. He thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen. The description, was, it said Sierra West, just another soulless Euro about washing pans in a stream. <laughs> that's good. That's right. Hey, at least he didn't make it about training in the uh, trading in the Mediterranean. There was a, a period of time when everything was about trading in the Mediterranean. All the Euro games had that theme, it seemed like. I'm happy to say I don't have a single trading in the Mediterranean game. I'm I don't have a single one either. I have at least 10 or 12 of them over here, I think. <laughs> you have all of them? That's right. Yeah, there's a single one you don't have? <laughs> I'm sure there's a couple if you, if you look to some of the obscure ones. <laughs> but it was so common at the time. I do like your point about the, the rolling dice. I want to add one thing to it, if you don't mind, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think, I think, I like the way the Euro game and Ameristyle spectrum has blended into one another. So I like the way that we have Ameritrashy, Ameristyle games incorporating Euro elements and Euro games that are incorporating Ameritrashy, America-style elements. You think about the dice rolling, though, and I, I definitely have a few examples of games that have a dice rolling mechanism that I would classify as a Euro game, but that's usually because like you hit it on the head in Euphoria, you're not rolling those dice to determine the output of some event, right? Something that you're gonna roll the dice and that's gonna affect what happened. Rather you're rolling the dice to see what you have to make decisions with. So you think about Coimbra, you think about Euphoria, you're rolling the dice, but then you're not taking actions until after the dice are rolled. In a lot of the Ameritrashy type games, you're deciding to do something, then you're rolling the dice to see what happened. And that's yeah. two different oh, uses. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the reverse order. Exactly. I mean, the, the, the orders are swapped. You know, you talk talking about it and, you know, uh, I mean, I, I know, I, I'm sure you have it coming because I've talked to you for 20 minutes. Um, but uh, Merchant's Cove, which oh, do you yeah. have that one? I, well, uh, I've kickstarted. I'm waiting on it to get here. I'm looking but, forward to it a lot. Yeah, it, you can't see it. I got I got the only oh, prototype man. left in America right over wow, there. But it. one of those characters, the blacksmith, it's all you're rolling dice constantly. But never in my life would I have said, oh, that's a that's a Maritrash style character. And but I again, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's you do that. And then, OK, I know what I have. Yeah, let's let's make a plan, make a plan. The other thing I find is there's not a ton of player interaction in euro games like it's hard to get a lot they're getting better at incorporating that though i think you're absolutely right if you look at some of the older euro games right the classics that we think of that was always the criticism that was placed against them was you know very little player interaction or it's it's um i would say that you know it's indirect player interaction it can add up to a lot of influence over the course of a game, but it's very indirect. And many marriage style games or marriage trashy games, you know, it's it's clear. I'm playing this card, and this a gotcha card, and it's hitting you, right? Uh, but the interactions are much more subtle and less uh, antagonistic. It seems like in in a lot of the Euro games. Yeah, like I I took the space you wanted. Right. Okay. You know. No, oh, uh, sponsors notice how he took a sip That's of that right. beer. Oh, and it tastes so good. Oh, look at that. I mean, he, he is growing hair, everyone. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> That's how good that beer was. I'm recently into Euros. Um, it was actually uh, playing Merchant's Cove. That was like, oh, these are fun. And then suddenly, like, the flood gets. So I'm, I'm more recently into Euros. But hmm. what are your favorites in your collection? I'm guessing you're going to say Puerto Rico is one of them. Puerto, Puerto Rico, I mean, it, it, 
it has a particular place because again, that was one of the first games that I picked up and played. And I was also, so yes, Puerto Rico is definitely on the list. As far as classics go, there are a couple that are there and that's probably the most prominent one. Um, years ago, Puerto Rico was number one on the board game geek list before, you know, games exploded and it was there for a long, long time. Uh, and there are certain things I look at and it solved a lot of problems that we had at the time. For instance, downtime was a huge problem. You know, a lot of the games that families were playing, it's like on your turn, you roll the dice, you do something. Everybody else is kind of sitting around and waiting on whatever happens. Puerto Rico was the first game where you make a decision and that decision is sort of carried out by everybody around that table, which meant you were always engaged in that game from beginning to end. And further, you combine that with the fact that it plays relatively quickly, right? You're talking an hour, hour and a half at most, uh, usually. And uh, it hit that real sweet spot. It solved a, an interesting problem that we had. And, and now, you, you know, you look back and it's just, it's just, it's still an amazing design. We, I think we reviewed it a few podcasts ago and it was, it's so unusual for us to pull a game out from that far back and review it. But this one deserved it, I think. Uh, the fact there's so little randomness in the game, if you think about it, the only randomness in the game is a few tiles that you're going to flip over uh, at the beginning of the game. That's it. Everything else, and, and they come out random, but that, it's very little randomness inserted in that system. Uh, so that's that's one of the classics. Kalis is another one. Kalis was one I sort of fell in love with. And like you said, that that had a little bit more of a nasty element to it in that you could move the provost, if I recall. And I may be getting that word wrong. There were two, the provost and then somebody else. But you could move it so that certain actions didn't yeah, the, take The marriage place. killer, I think he's called. <laughs> that's right. But I played a lot of games with that where it's like, okay, I'm going to move this two spaces back to kind of screw you. And they're like, well... I'm moving it two spaces back to screw you. And he's like, I'm moving it two spaces pretty, pretty soon. Nobody's taking any actions beyond the basic ones that round. <laughs> You're all just because, shouting screw you at each other. And that's uh, right. But, but it wasn't that nasty, right? It was indirect. It wasn't this, I'm, just going straight for you it's like you, you could kind of screw people but you make yourself a bit vulnerable as well now terra mystica that's a game that i fell in love with as well i don't know if you've had a chance to play terra mystica no, but i've heard you i've heard you guys yeah. talk about it a lot and and i guess in gaia project also which i gather is pretty much the same it's very very close i mean you could definitely tell if you played those two games independently you could tell that one of them was built off of the mechanisms of the other and, and the thing I like about Terra Mystica is it flows quickly. There's a visual aspect to it on the board, right? An area control type aspect. And further, it, it was one of the first games I can recall, at least, where you have pieces on your board. And as you build them onto the main board, you expose income, right? Almost like the uh, um, is it Scythe. Yes, that's the... Yeah, so it has an aspect. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's a pretty common Euro thing now. I think you know it is you, now, but yeah. I think Terra Mystica was one of the first things that sort of triggered that. You also got your Alexander Fister games, right? Great Western Trail, Maracaibo. Love those designs. Um, a lot of Stefan Fell games I like. I don't, I, mean, I don't know how many Stefan Fells you've played, but uh, Trajan, Castles that of Burgundy. Many. Oh, Never man. played a single. Are one. you serious? Yeah, I know. Are you going to log off now? You got to go play Castles of Burgundy immediately, and then the audience can rejoin us for the remainder of this podcast to make it legitimate. Will? No, no, we're, we're, they're just gonna we're just gonna stay right here. Like, <laughs> play you know. it. Yeah, could you set it up and I can watch because I don't have a copy of it. You know, it remains just... one of those games that I can teach cold, right, and just go through that game and play it because it is such a great, great design. You look at a lot of the failed games, and they are. He's definitely got his formula. The criticism against his games is they're almost devoid of theme, right? They're very mechanical by nature. 
but the mechanisms are so good and interact with each other so well that it just you get a feeling from playing his games you don't get from other people's games. Um, yeah, so you know it's interesting. So that's actually the reason why I've avoided picking any of them up is because for for me, I theme theme yeah. really speaks to me. But it's right the games on. that really find a way to everything you do speaks to that theme. Those are the games that I'm just like, I, I can't stop. I can't stop thinking about. It. There's one that's the area control game. It's coming back to Kickstarter, and I don't know. January or something. It's this area control game called uh, Theurgy. Mm. It's about, you know, you're this half forgotten God and you're, well, you, all of you are, and you're trying to get your acolytes, your two acolytes out there to make you the you know most prominent God in the land. But every single thing you do is lit. You know, when I was taught by the designer, he's like, okay, and this is this. And he starts telling me the thematic reason behind every single thing, mm. like everything. And it just, it blew my mind. So I'm always thinking about that, but that's why I've always avoided games because everybody says well you know if you're looking for a theme go watch a movie but if you want the best mechanics ever this is your jam so 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 give me the one what's the one i gotta get the one you gotta get oh man you're gonna put me on the spot here you're on the spot stefan i hope you're listening i got i got two that come to mind i'm gonna give you one in just a minute (laughs) so i think it's got to be i think it's got to be castles of burgundy that's the one yeah. Uh, that, that has like a million expansions, right? Uh, it has a variety of expansions. They, there's a newer version that's got a lot of those expansions into the box, right? The the, the deluxe edition. But you got to be careful. That deluxe edition has some aspects, not unlike some other deluxe editions we've seen come out that are inferior to the original. But as far as the amount of content that you get, it's, it's pretty good. I don't think you can really go wrong with either version. And there are definitely some criticisms you could lay against it. But Castles of Burgundy, it's just it's it's one of those games that you think of that's a, definitely a Euro, but you're rolling some dice. The thing about Fails games is after you've completed the game, you've gone down a strategic path, clearly. But that path was made up of these very small decisions you made throughout the process. So you're never overwhelmed with options. You know, it's only you got two dice. You're going to use a dice to do some, a die to do something. And it's either this or this or this. That's it. You know, and but after it's all done, you you branched off so many times and your board looks completely different from someone else's board. You accentuated things they didn't accentuate. You know, you de-emphasize things other people emphasized. Um, yeah. So Castles of Burgundy, that's the one. If you're looking for a second one. <laughs> Because I know you are. Because I know you are, Will. That, 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 was, that was pro. That was politician level. You know, Thank the, you. The, 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 the public speak. And they say, you know, if you finish your, if you finish your jump thought, right in. as you're going up, people take that breath and boom, you can That's jump right. in. All right. All right. Well, what, what's number two? What's number two? The number two is Trajan. I'm not going to go nearly as, as far into that as I did Castles of Burgundy. Trajan is, I, th- I think, even though Castles of Burgundy is probably, the, in my opinion, the best game he's made, Trajan has a feel to it because of the Moncala mechanism that uh, the others don't. And I really like Moncala mechanisms because you have to look at a board, you have to move pieces in a, in a, you know, pick up a pile and drop them off around this circle with six spaces. And so it's almost like you want things to happen on the board, but you have to solve this puzzle of how you flex this mechanism to make that happen. And there's just something great about that that no other game has really uh, even approached when it comes to Moncala mechanisms, in my opinion. So, right. so Castles of Burgundy one, Trajan number two. All right. All right. Okay. All right. I, I, I will I will look up Castles of Burgundy if my wife will like it. Is my wife going to like it? You don't know my she, wife. You've never met her. My, I haven't, but I know she's married to a great guy. So she's got that oh going for her. Oh, my gosh. My, my wife you likes Castles of Burgundy. You just send those brownie points to your wife there, buddy. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> all right, so uh, 
is See, I gave you a compliment. I took it completely off track there, Will. I'm sorry. I, I know. I know. I'm, I'm, to, I'm totally. And I'm going to leave it in. I'm going to leave that pause in. You should. Uh, I'm going to, because that's a lot of work to find it. Um, the uh, so is is it safe to say is Feld your favorite Euro designer, or is there somebody else? I don't know. It's close, man. I mean, uh, I think I think it is Feld as far as Euro game. When you when you widen the aperture a bit, there are different designers for you know non-euro games that i like quite a bit eric lang comes to mind uh but failed is probably my favorite i gotta be honest though alexander fister is making a case for being one of the best if not the best because some of the games he's put out like i said great western trail americaibo those games are just top notch as well and the uh i believe his new one cl- cl- cloud city cloud future hungry gamer here the title of the game is actually cloud age not cloud city another i think he has I'm not sure if that, I'll have to look this up. Usually, I, you know, Maracaibo surprised me a little bit. I'll have to, I'll have to look up Cloud City and see if that's his as well. Yeah, the, yeah, there's a, there's a new one coming out. It uses with that, uh, one of those mechanics like um, Mystic Veil does with the cards. And it's oh, like yeah. you put cards in sleeves, but the clouds cover some parts. And, and I think that's Fister. I think. I've just heard a tiny, tiny little bit about it. Um, but I guess he's not really your favorite designer because you didn't know. Yeah, no. exactly. Can't. But well, watch it's not it's not Fister at all. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> some dude named Fred. You know. That's right. Uh, uh, yeah. So I, I think for me, it's um, it's Johnny Pack right now, and he only has a few games out. So that's the thing. You know, he's got Sierra West is out. Uh, Hangtown slash Coloma is out. But I, I've been lucky enough that I've gotten that. I, I got. Um, yeah, right here. I got Lines of Lydia behind my big old head. There we go. I got Lines of Lydia there. I got Merchant's Cove over there. And I hope your wallet's ready for Tuesday because he's the lead developer on um, Endless Winter, which is okay. uh, that's designed by Stan Kordonsky. Uh, same guy who did Lock Up, and that's not his biggest one. That's the one that comes to mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rurik yeah. is also his, if I recall. Yeah, yeah Rurik, that's his biggest one. Yeah, yeah. But this game, Endless Winter, Johnny Pack's the lead developer on, and Drake Villarreal did the solo AI on, and so uh, um, I got to preview that one. And I know how much you like Lacerda games. Mm-hmm. This is a Lacerda game if you didn't want to deal with Lacerda, mm. is what it feels like. I mean, it just, you have all these little systems running together, and I'll, I'll get around to why I'm talking about Johnny Pack in this in just a sec. All these little systems going on, you're going to build, you're going to build a, a mo- Stonehenge-style monument, you're doing that. You're hunting, you're expanding your land, you're getting more people in your tribe, you're building sacred stones, all these different things, but they all come together perfectly. Just, and that's why I like Johnny Pack is everything he works on, it's just elegant. It's not the most complicated, but everything works and there's almost, almost never a wasted move in any of his games that, that I found. And so, and you know, I don't care about the old West and that's his jam, but I don't, I don't that care. is his jam. You know, uh, well, if you ever meet him, you'll see, you will understand. I actually, I did meet him. I met him at uh, Gen Con oh, uh, then, two, two then years ago, it. I think. Yep. Yeah. He taught, that's where I picked up. I think it was Gen Con where he taught Sierra West. I went to pick up a copy and they said, Hey, you want to learn a game? I said, yeah. I want to learn a game. So we sat down and he, he actually taught it with his hat on. It was great. Yeah. yeah uh, on a total side, side note, see him again, ask him what happened to his hotel. He has this, hilarious story about well it's not funny it, and the way he tells it you know the hotel caught on fire oh that sounds like there, well no that's not funny but the rest of it's funny i promise when he tells it but he you know he, the image that he left me with is the sprinklers came on 
And he said, and I was running out of there in my Crocs, like Gus Gus from Cinderella with all my games that I had just bought, you know, so they didn't get wet and he's running around. <laughs> and then he sees himself later on TV in the background, like leaving the hotel with his stack of games, um, you know, while it's, while it's burning. Um, but uh, yeah, so he, he, he's, he's definitely become my, my number one. Like, I mean, pretty much anything that he puts out, you know, I'll go for it. And I'm lucky enough that uh, he lives two hours away Mm-hmm. or something like so we at the local cons when you know we did those things um you know i'd get to see him and try out his stuff and so yeah, any anything he puts out you know well first thing i'll do is i'll contact the publisher and beg to be able to preview then after that i will go back it yeah so he, i think i think that's a great choice um even though johnny pack has not been on the scene very long i think he's made a huge splash i mean you think about when i first heard about hangtown I'm a big fan of Race for the Galaxy, and Hangtown sort of has that tableau building aspect to it. And the reviews look good from Board Game Geek, and so I said, I'll, you know, let's take a shot here. And I picked it up and played it, and I was like, this is great. This is absolutely great. So I took it to Beermonger, showed it to the guys, and they loved it too. And then we was they like, said, okay. this art is terrible. They, well, we did, but you could tell it was uh, it was the the fact that the game shown through what one would think of as sort of, you know, not top level production quality because <clears throat> he didn't have the reputation at the time as far as i know to demand that a little bit but i think he's built that up if you look at coloma and especially in merchant's cove which i don't have yet but you know having looked at the kickstarter oh, page you're gonna love it so much the components <laughs> oh, are man. gorgeous you know you look at coloma and you got that magnetized spinny thing and it's just it's beautiful the production quality is great and you you marry that up with I, I'm with you. I think Johnny Pack's games are great. I have yet to play a game by him. One you didn't mention that's a smaller game is A Fistful of Meeples. It's also a great yep. game. I was just thinking about that one. Uh, when I picked that up from him um, at a local condom, my brother came out to, they had a, a proto spiel going on. So I came out, test his game and stuff. And, you know, he played some of other of Johnny's other games. And then I pulled this one out. We had a few minutes and he look, looked at Johnny and said, how the hell you come up with this stuff? Yeah. Like, What? Where does this come from? You know, uh, this is great. That's a great That's a good choice. One. Yeah, I, I, could, I couldn't argue with that because I'm really a fan of Johnny Pack's games. Well, he's he's reached the upper echelon for me so that whatever he produces, I'm going to pick up. Yeah. And and that's part of the reason that I, I backed um, uh, Merchant's Cove, because he, although he's not the main designer, right? I mean, he, right. he did development on it. And I think his games are clearly developed down to a fine edge. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, also he, did, he, the expansion did uh, he designed some of the characters for Merchant's oh, cool. Cove. Yeah, so he did development, and then uh, him, Carl, and Drake have all have their hands heavily into different, you know, characters. And there's, I don't know, there's six, seven, eight. Yeah. I don't know. I assume it looks good. All of them. Yes, I am. Come on, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, you know, may, 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 oh my gosh, the most amazing thing was when I backed Merchants of the Dark Road. I did not get the deluxe. Really? I did it. Oh it, man, it, it felt so good. Did it really? Oh, I mean, not the moment, but now that I look back and, you know, we just got the email, oh, we're delayed till yeah, 2027 or whatever. Um, I was like, yeah, but it was just the basic one. I'm okay with that. <laughs> you good. found a silver lining here in a sense. That's good. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it feels good. It, it's hard. Um, but man, boy, we have gone off on the tangents like crazy. Sorry. No, that's, Sorry. I'm okay with it. Uh, but that gets us right, right into uh, our Kickstarter problem. I talked earlier about how my, my buddy Streamline Matt and I, we try to shame each other out of backing stuff as much as we can. I assume you have no one that does that for you. No, in fact, well, we do it, but it's all a joke, right? Anytime any one of us backs, 
the only word we send each other is junkie. We'll just text and say junkie. And then we, we immediately back it too. So <laughs> what happens is you see this viral backing that happens right alongside, you know, viral insults of people telling other people they should be backing this many things, but somehow we all go in on these things. Yeah. Is it, is it true or false that, that you guys were half of the supporters of bag full of penis? <laughs> I don't know about that. Not us. It's not us, but definitely people that we know and they have been appropriately shamed. <laughs> uh, everybody who, who's listening, I will find the secret cabal episode number and I will put that in the description so you can figure out what we're talking about. Cause so it may be Don, the funniest... they think you are a horrible person right now. <laughs> <laughs> it may be the funniest clip. I think the cabal uh, either with myself included or not has ever recorded because yes, there was a Kickstarter called bag of penis. And of course it made it into our news and Tony was reading about it. And so he had to say the word penis many times. And every time he said it, Jamie went in and bleeped it. And the way it sounds now is as if Tony was using all these different <laughs> offensive words in those. It's the funniest thing ever. So normally I don't, I'm not a self-promoter, but go listen to that part of the podcast. I think you guys will find it. I, I laughed so hard when I heard it. Uh, it's, it's, it's so, it's so funny. And you know, I'm proud to say I did not go look at that Kickstarter. I did not want the Facebook ads that were going to come from the fact that I had looked <laughs> at that. Uh, I just, I, I couldn't do it. Um, and I'm sure it couldn't have lived up to, <laughs> to that, <laughs> that discussion, but what do you got coming imminently? And I'll, I'll say imminently between now and December 31st. Oh, cause okay. you know, cause we, I mean, we don't have all day. <laughs> right. This, so this is odd because I don't track too closely the delivery dates on a lot of things. Okay. So I don't know if these things are actually coming prior to December 31st, but I've, because I found that only pain and madness lie down this path of pining for something to come, right? The, the watch pot never boils. So yeah, generally I'll not, back it's not it until it it's like on the boat that I start and like, okay, yeah, I got, I'm jonesing. Not so till it's on the boat. There's three that come to mind. Actually. The first one is uh ether fields. I don't know if you heard this, this is an awakened realms game. And, uh, it, it's not tainted grailish in the mechanisms as far as I know, but it has that sort of epic campaign type, uh, approach. And I'm looking forward to that because that's from Awakened Realms. I have yet to be disappointed by anything Awakened Realms has done. Yeah, Tom Vassal, I just listened to a review that, that uh, he did on, on their podcast and he, he loves it. Um, Excellent. That, that, that Boy, I that's one of the ones that I, I backed and then me and Matt, we started going at it and I was like, oh, no, all right, no, it's not. It's not the greatest thing I've ever seen. I'm not going to do it. And so I'm waiting for you guys to review it so you can be like, so you're disappointed about it and then I can feel good. You feel better? Okay. It's well, good to have hope. That'll keep you going, Will. I know. It, <laughs> everything I've heard is it's just fantastic. All right. Yeah. So, so that one's coming. So that one is actually coming soon. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I know that one's that one's relatively imminent. That one I know. Um, Merchants Cove. I don't know when that's delivering. I'm guessing that's early 2021. Is that right? Uh, December, January is what they say. Okay. So, so you, you might have it. You know, okay. I don't know. I'm looking I don't forward know to that one. And the last one I'll mention here is uh, Alter Quest. And I don't know exactly. I think that one's shipping in November. Does that sound right? Yeah, so that's, that's on my list too. I, I was, I just went and looked at the Kickstarter today because you know I knew what we got on the boat like seven months ago, and so I've been jonesing yeah. for it. Slowest boat, like yeah. I think they were rowing that thing. Uh, yes, right. Uh, but uh, that one, from everything, the the backers who are harassing Quartermaster Logistics have been reporting that it might start shipping next week. Oh, I am really looking forward to it. Then I'm yeah, a fan that, of all the the Sadler Brothers designs. Right. I've got Brook City and um, 
um, Street, Street Masters. Masters. And then, of course, the uh, I always I always forget the name of this one. The one they released through Fantasy Flight Games. It was a card game. It had that same mechanism. Was uh, it uh, Heroes of Terranoth? Heroes one? of Terranoth. Yep, yeah. that's the one. Yep. Uh, really a fan of their this mechanism they have where it's a co-op, but everyone is sort of uh, controlling a certain portion, not all, but a certain portion of the the AI and the, the you know the quote unquote bad guys or monsters that you're fighting in the game. That that works really well in the misunderstood game. creatures. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're, they're misunderstood. Oh, okay. I'm in California here. You know, we are. Sorry. You know, we, you gotta understand. Uh, yeah, that that one. Yeah, I'm really excited about that one. I actually, I, I sold my uh, aftershock bundle because I just literally don't have enough space for two Sadler Brother games. Yeah. In my room. Um, you know, I mean, and they 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 fill the same void. And I was much more excited about the fantasy theme than the Dungeons, no, not Dungeons Dragons, the uh, Double Dragon Street Fighter type thing. Yeah. So that, I'm super excited about that. I'm, I'm hoping. Uh, my, one of my little monthly podcast i put out talking about what i'm hoping looking forward to playing i had the hope i put it out there in the universe that i was going to have it in october so i'm not a liar on film yeah you know, we'll, we'll see so yeah I got, I got that one coming merchant's cove and uh, uh canvas i don't know if you knew about that yeah, one. yeah i backed that as well oh well that yeah. in theory that's coming oh um, is it really that's really quick that's a quick delivery on that kickstarter then yeah. right well not not as quick as galaxy hunters i don't know if you saw that one yeah i saw uh, that one as well like that, that uh, they just closed their pledge manager today. It closed like two weeks ago. The Kickstarter and it's supposed to come in December. That's pretty quick. You got to wonder if they have like, uh, in order to deliver that quickly, you would think they have them stockpiled somewhere, right? They've already gone through the production process, but I, I don't know how they, <clears throat> you know, sort of projected how many copies of that they would sell via Kickstarter. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, as near as I can figure, they had, it was published on brazil's version of kickstarter or something like that because there's a so it seems like they maybe had the base game and like all the molds and stuff all done which i guess is the sculpting and stuff is a big part of it and so it was just translating I, yeah i don't know but that the part of me backed it just because i was like no way there's no way there's huge there's you just want to see yeah yeah there, there's huge miniatures in this thing there is right. no way this is showing up but you know i haven't gotten the uh, uh gonna get hit with chinese new year email yet when are, oh, they, it always comes. when are they gonna yeah. learn death taxes chinese new year like it's gonna happen stop playing yeah that's <laughs> why i don't watch them anymore because it's like you know that's the you know they're coming too right it's every almost everyone be like oh what do you know chinese new year hit and it's going to cause a delay it's like you just this is the way it goes yep the merchants of the dark road they hit that and then i had uh, uh oath sworn i don't know if you heard of that one um, is this, uh, I don't, I think this is different. I'm thinking of Oath, I believe, which is the leader games. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Different one. Yeah. This, this one is kind of, um, kind of like a, a kingdom death monster type thing. Cause it's only boss mm -hmm. fights, but it's this huge sprawling campaign. And they had, uh, some guy from game of Thrones is doing all the narration that comes mm -hmm. with the narration and, it, and originally it was supposed to be in uh, December. So I just, I just went and looked and I just went in the comments so is it safe to say this is a uh, Chinese New Year? And someone's like, oh, yeah, they told us that four months ago. It's not mm. coming until next December or something. I just, my little nerd heart cried. Yeah, yeah. Chinese New Year is the bane of gamers all over the place. Yeah, it just, it's, uh, I just don't understand why no one, why, why, why 
it keeps happening. I mean, I mean, the new year, I know the new year keeps happening. <laughs> I can explain how this calendar thing works, Will, but it... <laughs> yes. Yes, I have this game called Sulkin. I'll teach you about it. <laughs> That's right. um, See how it goes all the way around and we're back to where oh, we started. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just don't understand why it keeps getting Chinese new year. Like you, you have to know it's coming. Yeah. Like it's going to happen. I just, for my life, there's a, there's a couple companies out there that uh, I appreciate a lot because they add such huge buffers like uh, uh, pencil first games, like almost always adds a big old buffer. So they're almost always early. It's fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you stop, you look at it and like they put the timeline, and it's got, you know, the little colors and it's got red buffer and it's like, everything's like this big and then, poof. but they always make it. But anyhow, we, we've just gone deep into nerd kickstarted them. That's good. Uh, the, the four of you that are still listening, um, <laughs> we, 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 we'll, we'll jump into the saddest thing we're going to talk about conventions. Like, mm. oh, this was supposed to be my first Gen Con. I was supposed to go this oh, year. Oh, really? You haven't gone before? No, no. Because so last year uh, I went to Origins. You know, oh, I was okay. Like, I'm going to do one big one every year. And then we were supposed to take my wife and I and our friends are supposed to go to Australia. So Origins was out. I was like, okay, I'll do Gen Con. So I, so I haven't gotten, gotten to go, but it did get me thinking about the favorite moments from conventions. So, all right. I'm going to say pick one, but I've already listened to you. So I know you're going to pick at least two or three. So, <laughs> so I, I came up with, with two. I got my one A, my one B. Okay. So your favorite, All right. your favorite memories. So if my favorite bonus points, if it's one that you haven't talked about on Secret Cabal. Oh, man. Oh, bonus, that's so much. Bonus hard. points for that. I got one. I'm gonna I'm gonna save your listeners and your viewers though. I can't tell that one. That might get me in trouble. I better not do that. Oh, you absolutely uh, should do that. Okay, I'll do it then. So here, <laughs> oh, the funny. Wow, I really twisted your. You, I was ready to do it. I just needed the goat goat word. So, <clears throat> so we were at a cabal meetup. It, the, for those of you that don't know, the, the secret cabal has at Origins and Gen Con. We have meetups, right? And this is where a lot of the fans of the podcast come and kind of hang out with everybody. And uh, we've met tons and tons of people that we are that are now just you know friends through that. And uh, we were there one year, and this has been five or six, seven years. It's been a while back. The Cabal wasn't, you know, the Cabal actually at one point had like a thousand plus people at some meetup, something crazy, right? Just untenable. It sounds like a nightmare. It it was a little bit. It was a little bit. But this is before those times when the the meetup was probably a hundred people, something like that. But it was a hundred people in a small hotel bar. Right, the big bar on two for those that have been to Origins. There's a in one of the hotels uh, joining the convention center. <clears throat> we were there, so there were too many people for the bathrooms. Right, so if you went to the bathroom, you kind of had to stand in line. And I remember I got there in line. So, you know, there there are guys at the urinals doing their business, and then there's like I don't know seven or eight guys standing there. We're waiting. Right, we're waiting. Now, was this when you were just a fan of the Cabal, or was this when you were already? In no, this was I was just a fan. I wasn't on the on the podcast yet. Well, before, well before that, and uh, I remember this guy opens a door and he looks in and he sees all the people and he says what someone would naively say, which is, <laughs> he said, he said, he said, oh, is there a line? And just real quick, without even thinking about it, I said, nah, man, we just like to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole bathroom erupted in laughter. <laughs> Never have I ever heard a whole bathroom erupt in laughter like that. So that that's one of that's one of the, my favorite memories. Very self self serving though, because it's I told a, the joke that I was proud Steve of. Steve can eat his heart out. That your jokes that's work, right? <laughs> that's right. We often joke about this. Oh wow, that the, okay. All right, so well, I don't have one that that's that that's literally that dirty. Um, 
but uh, so it was a, both of these could come, come from origin. So I'll, I'll do my 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 one my one B first. So my buddy uh, Matt again, he, he came came with me that year, and he brought he brought Root, the game that you've never played at a convention because that's right. Because Tony won't do it. Yeah. And so, but you know, we you know how you kind of like you walk around the convention, you like you hold up your little box lid to try to get you know random people to play because we wanted to get a six player game. You know, we had the expansion, we wanted to do it. All right, well, we're going to be here for five hours. We're doing this. And so we got all these people there and just organically every, almost everybody developed their own accent and voice for their faction. So I was playing the otters and I was like, you know, foghorn, leghorn meets Mark Twain, you know, and I say, I say, I say, I have a deal for you. Just come on, you know, but then this guy who'd never played before was playing the cats and suddenly he became these German fascists. And it led up to this moment where the, uh, uh, the Woodland Alliance, they had their little fist tokens that they put out, yeah. you know, and uh, whoever was put that out in one of his clearings, he goes, you put your fist in my cat place, meow. <laughs> and just our table and two tables next to us and no idea what was going on, just exploded. And the guy's wife looked at him like he was just trash. Do you know what you just said? Yeah. <laughs> So Jamie would be a huge fan of that because he loves it when you insert accents and stuff like that in the games. You know, you role play a bit. In fact, we do some online gaming and he's always we have we play this game Dead by Daylight, which is a, you know, sort of one killer and multiple humans trying to escape. And so the killers run around killing people. And uh, he's always we're communicating on Discord. and He's always got this Freddy accent, regardless of which killer he's playing. He's always doing the Freddy from Nightmare on Elm Street voice. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I can't I can't play that game. Without thinking of the cats as these Germans, yeah, <laughs> ever, ever. Isn't again. that funny? So those are great moments, though, right? Because yeah. they sort of these moments are imprinted on the games, and every time you play the game from then on, you sort of it gives you such a great memory. And in addition to the fun you're having playing the game itself, that's one of the beauties of board gaming, right? Yeah, and the and the I mean, I also as I think about it, like it was one of the best games of Root I've ever seen. I mean, there was the poor guy who had never played before; he was playing the the, the eerie, and he went into turmoil. I think seven times. Like, oh. Just, so he, he he was at the back, but all the rest of the five of us were within like six points or five points at the end. I mean, one of the best games Root I've ever seen, but no, your fist in my cat place. Meow. <laughs> oh, so good. All right. So that, that's my, that's my, my, my one B, my one okay. B. What's your, what's your top? So my top here is <clears throat> this was the first year I had gone to Origins and I remember Chris Miller. This is when I had met the Cabal be well before I was on the podcast and uh, I'd known him for I don't know, a year, give or take. It, it had been a while. I'd been game with him for a bit, right? And um, he saw me at Origins. I said, like, hey, Chris, how's it going? He was walking out of the merch hall. And uh, he said, hey, are you going to Gen Con? And I was like, no, nah, I'm just, I'm probably not. I was really on the fence because I'd never been to Gen Con. I enjoyed Origins. I wanted to, but, you know, nothing to push me over the edge. He says, we got room in the room if you want to join. And I was like, um, you know, it's like, I, I enjoy playing with the guys so much, like, that sounds like fun. So I was like, all right, I'll get tickets. So I got, got my tickets to Gen Con, showed up, and there were there are six of us. Maybe it was four of us. I think it's back, Will. So four of us. We go up to the room. <clears throat> we walk in the room, and it's this tiny room with two beds. And I was like, well, I guess this is adjoining another room, right? <laughs> is, is there another room hooked to it or whatever? I looked at Jamie. There was silence in the room. <laughs> and Jamie looks back, and he just says, con life, baby. <laughs> And then I knew, it was like, okay, we're going to be out gaming all the time. We're going to come back here to occasionally crash. And uh, needless to say, since then, 30, I've always taken my, my 30 minutes of spooning is all you need to get charged <laughs> up each night. You know, how, how many people can say they have slept in a bed with Rodney Smith? I can say that at this point. 
I would imagine he's a very generous spooner being a Canadian. <laughs> and quite warm, it turns out. Oh, man. We're, we're, I'm sorry. I can't. Well, you know, the border wasn't already closed. They're not opening <laughs> it now. Like, they, 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 they are keeping that closed. All right. So here's my number one. Same origins. And so my buddy, again, wanted to try this game, Quartermaster Logistics, which I bet you would really like. Do you, do you know that one? Quartermaster Logistics? Yeah, you mean it, like, like the shipping company? Quartermaster General. Sorry, it's called Quartermaster General. Okay, okay. General. I was about to say, whoa. I thought it was a trick question for a minute. Yeah, they, yeah they, they are so successful, they now have a game. That's no, right, Quartermaster General, it's called. Quartermaster General. It's a whole I series. I have not played this. So it's, and so, you know, I told about, you know, I don't like dry themes. The theme of the game is maintaining your supply line during war. All right, I was like, yeah, I was like you owe me. All right, we're going to play this. And then it was World War One where nothing happened. <laughs> right, it's slow anyway. Yeah, and then we go, but I'm like, you know, that's cool, like whatever, I'm gonna try something new. So we go, we sit down and the guy teaching it and his, and the other three or four people at the table were the stereotype historic war gamers. Older middle-aged men who just will rip out your soul and stomp on it as they crush you, like the dirt you are, like, you, you know, that stereotype, like, yeah, they exist that they, they are why the stereotype exists. You know, they're nice enough guys before we started playing. And so we sit down and I'm like focused. I'm like, okay, this is going to be so complicated. I got this. I'm focused. And the guy's explaining and I'm listening. I'm checking off. Okay, you got to do this. Got to do this. And the guy next to me to the left, not paying a damn bit of attention. And I was already on tilt because it was late and I was tired. You know, I'm like, I'm playing this dumb game or here we go. And he's going around and people are asking questions. Like, okay, the guy's, all right, I got it. So I can do this, this, and this. And I say, well, no, because if you do that, that messes up this other rule. I like, look, the rules don't matter that much. And I was saying, I was like, mother effer. The <laughs> right. rules are all that matters. All right. <laughs> and so we're going around and then he says something else. And the, the guy running it says, no, actually you're wrong. It's this. And people just listening, you're not going to be able to really see this. But I swear to you, the guy responds like this. He just goes, <laughs> and 10 seconds just death stare and the other guy's just staring back like a sitcom cartoon so we're going through like oh my god so we finally start playing and the game's actually pretty cool if you plan ahead you got like three things you can do play a card move on but only me and my buddy were doing that everybody else they'd wait till they got there then they'd be like oh so what's happening here at the table and then they'd pick up their cards and the oh, guy man. next to me Every time he would play, then he'd get up and he would walk all the way across. This is, a, you, you know, the historic wargaming room and, and origins. Mm -hmm. He'd walk all the way across to the corner where he'd stashed his bag and mix himself a drink and then walk all the way back. And we're going through and my buddy Matt's across the table and I'm just so done with this game because <laughs> uh, my partner, I was uh, the Germans and my partner was, I don't know, Austria or whoever it is. And uh, <laughs> my buddy Matt just waxed him. Ooh. Like two turns in, just obliterated him. And so it's just me against the rest of the world playing on. I'm just texting my buddy Matt his, uh, his uh, Apple Watch, and it would start showing up, and he'd just be slapping his arm over it so no one could see it. <laughs> and I never want to play that game again, ever. Yeah. But that moment was the epitome of like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible, but it was so much fun. So yeah. that's a long, depressing No, one, but that's but a that's, good that, one. That's, that's, that's my top. It's fan it was, yeah. On our latest podcast, I just, we wish, talked I just about wish I could bottle that look. Yeah. Like, well, now you got a visual record of it. Amazing. These guys are taking it serious, though, it sounds <laughs> like. On our latest podcast, we talked about the, the discussion topic was nightmare scenarios or something like that, and we sort of went through those things, and that, that would have fit in. Oh, great. But that said, 
you being the, the, the mathy kind of guy, I bet you would like the Quartermaster General series. It I'll is very interesting if you like historic themes. You know, I don't... Mm, too, I always have a problem because like, I don't, I don't want to... It was World War One, so different, but like, I don't want to be the Nazis. Yeah. And like, even worse, if I'm the Allies... What if I'm terrible and I let the Nazis win? Like that right. is that worse? I don't know. Like that might be that might be worse. Great, great. All right. So game game that you love that no one else is with you on, but that you're never getting rid of, but you just love it. What what what's that one? So this game is an easy one actually. And I'm I'm betting most of the people that watch aren't or listening or uh haven't heard of it. But it's actually a game by Martin Wallace from I'm guessing it's about 15 years ago now. It's called Tempus, T-E-M-P-U-S. And it was basically sold as a, a quick civilization building game. Now, whenever you do that kind of thing, this was at a time when, you know, the original civilization, advanced civilization, that was the epitome of civilization games. And anything that fell short of that mount was just garbage, right? And this was one of those things that was sort of billed as a civilization game in an hour and a half. And of course, what it really is is an area control game with a few relatively minor civilization elements to it. And so it was really disappointing to a lot of people that had been invested in civilization games for a long time. But for me, I thought it was a very good playing game. Everyone I've shown it to has thought it was okay, but not great. But I love playing that game. It just has mechanisms in it I love a lot. And it was one of those uh, Martin Wallace games that... Um, was very interesting, but didn't have that economic aspect to it, right? And, it, and that was his stick at the time, economic and train games. And this was sort of different. And for me, it was one of the first sort of quick playing mini civilization games. And I just, I, you know, it caught on to me and I've just loved it ever since. And I've got that copy in, in my basement right now. And I'm never getting rid of it. I'll have it forever. But nobody else seems to appreciate it like I do. All right, Beer Mongers 2.0, that'll be the first game you bust out. Yeah. So I actually busted out. Chris didn't like it. He talked about it on the show, and Chris was like, ah, I thought it was Wait, okay. Did he actually say he didn't like it, though, on the show, I, he, on air? He didn't. He said he said it was just okay. It wasn't great. Right. And for Chris to say that, come on, that means he didn't like it. Yeah, so uh, for, for me, it's one of the first games I got, and it's, to me, the purest take-that-card game out there, Red Dragon Inn. Oh, and yeah. To me, and I think, I mean, it gets a lot of heat. I'd be like, that is terrible. But if you are just looking for take that card game and some laughs and are okay with elimination, but you're willing to be the characters, it's brilliant. It just, it's so much fun. If you're willing to do that. Like, I'm, I'm down the rabbit hole. I got like all of it. The huge box. Oh, really? It's like 30 oh, pounds, you know. A lot of stuff's been released for that game. Oh, it's it it it's a ton. It's it's dumbfounding. Like that that is their golden goose. But I you know I can see I can see someone like uh like Jamie digging it because he likes the role play aspect. Right. So when I used to like to play it was uh you know after something very story heavy, you know after you've done your D and D campaign or whatever, gotcha. then okay well oh yeah you go to the pub. But so for me that that's my game that I actually get a lot of non gamers in to mm -hmm. playing that like the the because you know it's not hard. There's four rules and then a million variants, you know, but it's all written on the card. Go ahead. So that, 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 that's the one for me. But no, that, I like that. I like that one, too. Not near to the extent you do, I don't think. But well, I, uh, I have a problem. I have a problem. <laughs> we all have problems in different ways. I will. But this one I like because the, the characters are asymmetric and some characters have different strategies. I mean, their decks play completely different. I like that a lot. That asymmetric sort of party gamerish kind of feel. 
Yeah. Where the theme is very cool, right? They're all after they've gotten out of the dungeon, they're just drinking, and that's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, and drinking, getting each other drunk, and, and, and yeah, it's great. And you know what does it for me is they have the personality of the character is tied into what they're doing. Like my wife's favorite character is Big Ogre. Like he doesn't want to hurt anybody, but he's just so strong. Like his he has a card. You hurt everybody at the table, and it's just picture of him like hugging everybody really tight. Right. You know, so she 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 loves that, you know. But yeah, so that that that's my one. Haven't played Tempest. I'm guessing it's hard to find. Um, I'm guessing it is too. I don't know because I've got a copy. I haven't had to look for it lately. <laughs> <laughs> you you have the one. That's <laughs> right. I might have similar to you with Merchants Cove. I might have the one copy in the United States right now. We? All right. So almost through. Two things left. What's on your table right now? You put in the notes something that was on your table, and I say there's not a chance that those games are still on your table right now. Really? What did I put in the notes? I have to check. You put on the notes. That's you put uh, barrage and darkest. Did Night. I really? Did I put barrage on the? It's almost oh. like I got a box here. Like or, I was ready for it. Is it just an empty box? Is that what? <laughs> no, no. It's on my virtual table because uh, I've played it twice in the last couple of weeks on Tabletop Simulator. So that I've definitely got to the table a few times. This is a game that I love, but I am terrible at this game. I've played it five, six times, and I've not even come close to winning any of those times. But I love the game. Uh, there's something special about it. I don't know what it is, uh, but I really like it. So so that's one thing. I've got a list of things here. I don't know what all you want to uh, go well, to. You know, I, well, so I, I actually have two. Uh, you know, The room I'm in now, it's my, my little uh, my game room, and that's where I do all my filming. I got a, a small table topper here, which I will say I specifically got because of your podcast and because Jamie won't shut up about it. Excellent. Just in, in the middle all the time. Like, fine, I'll buy one. Stop telling me about it. <laughs> but so on this table right here, it's the one I'm working on a um, how to play video for. So uh, whoop, there we go. Uh, Elements of the Gods. It's a new one coming out. And like hitting Kickstarter in a couple of, uh, couple of weeks. I think November 17 or something like that. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of an area control game, but not really. So you got this... Uh, world where you have all these different types of worshipers and you're building monuments based on having right worshipers near the monuments and then you're building gardens and based on where the gardens are in conjunction to where your monuments are you score points but the way you move everything around is you have five elements and so each round you're going to put out fire and water and mm. earth and each one does a different thing like wind shows up and <clears throat> meeples move and so that's how you move them around where you need them but my favorite thing about it is the fifth element is death. Oh, wow. <laughs> death is your other element. And you just drop it and just everything just dies. You just take everything and you pick two of them for your afterlife because you know, you're, you're a god. So yeah. I got that on my table, um, which, you know, I, I haven't played it yet. I'm just learning it right now. And then, right. you know, I'll review it and all. But based on everything you said today, I bet it's going to be up your alley. Because okay. Super, I've written it down. I'm going to check it out. It's super thinky. It's super thinky. Like, there's not a lot of rules, but, like, the the ramifications of everything you do are huge. Uh, so there's that one. The other one – oh, wait, 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 wait. You got your next one. What, oh, I'll give you one? one more. I'll just give you one more. I already talked about 1960, so that you guys know that's all on the table because I'm uh, taking advantage of my the fact that my daughter is part of the public education system, so I can play a game. <clears throat> the other one I have on my table is Bios Origins. This is actually by Phil Eklund. I don't know – I. I'm guessing you've never played a Phil Eklund game, but I don't know that. Um, I haven't. Now, he, he's the one that has the really hard-to-read rule books. And, yeah, his rule okay. books are very dense. Uh, and, that, that's, that's why I've never played one. And it's almost like the old school 20 years or 30 years ago war gamer book. Everything is like 
3.2.3, right. And they all cross-reference each other. So it takes a long time to kind of get through the rule book. Then it takes a long time to go back through it again because you have to go through it twice. And then it takes a long time to go back through it a third time, which you're going to need before you play the game. But at the other end of that is a game that offers something no other games offer. This one in particular I like because it's a Civ game, which I like Civ games. And it, and it goes like from either 200,000 or 4 million years ago up to present day. And uh, you actually start the game, you're looking at a brain map. And so you're just sort of manipulating how your species brain is situated. That's, oh, is this the one that ties into two other games? Is this one? It is. Yep, that's the one. Because you have Bios Genesis, you have Bios Megafauna, and Bios Origins. And these goes through like, you know, the, the building blocks of life to sort of the dinosaur times, uh, and then goes up through you know, sort of current civilization in a, in a sense. There's also a fourth game that can tag onto it called High Frontier, which is sort of the quest to go out into space. I've, I've yet to get through the rule book for that. So, uh, but Bios Origins, that, that one I like a lot. And this is a streamed down version, the second version that they've had of it. And it's it's pretty good. I like it a lot. When it's all over, you'll have to get a whole day with your whole the whole Cabal crew and just film playing all of them. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that, man. That sounds as much as I like his games. I don't know that you can keep more than two rule sets in your head at any given time. It's a, it's a friendship ending. It's a friendship ending <laughs> game. Right. Right there. Uh, all right. So my, my second one is Chronicles of Crime 1400, Ooh, which I am uh, so looking forward to that. Yeah. So I got a lot to me a review copy of it and it's good. Um, you know, it's not a, not a lot of replay. Well, no, zero replay i guess you know once so you, you learn, go through you it it's all i mean there's a sequence of things that you go through and does uh, it no. feed into the 1900 and eventually the 20 you know I, I don't know i don't know if it will or not um but you know i mean once you've played the the right now i think there's six six cases in it right now and so as near as i can tell once you've played through all six you, you now if you solved them you know but you know, it's like a, I think it's like a thirty-dollar game. It's mm-hmm. good, you know, good value. That they, they did some really cool stuff in there. Like you have a, you have a dog, that you can take clues and be like, hey, sniff this, Percival, and <laughs> he'll run off and tell you where to go. He'll go find people. They have these really cool little visions that you start each each case yeah. with, where you're kind of so you're starting to look out for things and different visions of what might be coming, and like, there are kind of clues and you're, it it's really. It's really well done. Um, I really enjoyed it. The big winner here is my wife loves it. Yeah. So that's that's the big winner. Yeah, I played the original Chronicles of Crime with my family. Uh, hey, we haven't played the noir variant of it, but we've played the original and then Welcome to Redview, I believe it's called, or Redfield, I can't recall. We've played those and they like it a lot. So that's part of the reason I'm looking forward to this. Is this app-driven as well, Will? Yes, yes. Okay, excellent. Yeah, uh, yeah I just put it on the... Um, I don't have I don't have like the glasses or anything. I just put it on on the iPad. That that's big enough. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's not a lot in the box, but it's quick. It's easy. It's um. Well, it's not easy to win. You know. Oh, they yeah. do another cool thing, and I don't know if the original Chronicles of Crime did this or not. They have a if you're just stinking it up, there'll be an inserted clue. Hmm. Like uh, we we were clearly going off following a red herring, and then suddenly a some street urchin showed up and was like, oh. There was a fight at this place. And we're like, oh, I guess we should go back over This there. random person to get you back on track. Yeah. yeah I don't recall like, the original know. having that one. You can just go down a path and just be gone. Yeah. So so it does that way, which I, I really appreciate it. Yep. It's you know, and I don't know if you have a lot of lucky duck games, but their production is 
really good on yeah. stuff they do. I mean, it's not it's not perfect. It's not chip theory games here, you know, but uh, it's really good production. They did Tang Garden, and uh, I just had this other one, Court of Miracles, which is great. I mean, just great production. I'm I'm super impressed with uh with what they're putting out right now. So the la last thing, and we we we'll jump through this quickly. So we got two games we picked to talk about. We got Euphoria and Through the Ages. And so you you recommended Through the Ages. I'd never played. I got the app, which is a great app implementation. Mm -hmm. I got it's like it, it's really good. Uh, played it all week. I've yet to win. I beat I beat my brother. I made him download it. I beat him. But that's a good game. Like, uh, like hey, it's one of my favorites, man. It, it, it's I felt like it's got some theme issues. Like uh, we were talking before we started, yeah. uh, how <laughs> I I beat my brother. I had space flight. Oh, and the internet, and rockets and tanks yet all i had was bronze in my yeah in my place you know and you so, get these so weird thematic disconnects yeah. right where you have like archers and an air force <laughs> yeah you know well, well, what my, my archers are shooting meteorites i don't know what i'm shooting like it's bizarre so bizarre and there's so there's so much to think about in that game yeah i mean it's so much and it's interesting what i really like the most is like my brother was crushing me with his military yeah. He just kept attacking me, but I obliterated him in the game because he was so focused on military and I was building, I was building theaters, you know, yeah. like crazy. And I, I made Shakespeare, my leader, and he made Genghis Khan, his leader or something, you know? So I'm assuming your culture was blowing up. Oh, it was huge. At the same you time know. he was beating on you to get resources and stuff like that. Yep. And even when he took, when he took some culture, or blew myself up, you know, like whatever, I was getting 35, 40 culture a turn. Yeah. He was getting two. So one yeah. of the things that really drew me to it when it first came out was it was a, it was a civilization game. Which again, this was around the time of Tempest as well, right? And you know, Advanced Civ was the, the you know, the, the Holy Grail. It's like nobody ever going to achieve that again. And through the ages came out, not the version you played. This was an earlier version because what you think I played on the app, I believe, is through the ages a new story of civilization, which is sort of the refined version. Although. Many of the mechanisms are <clears throat> very reminiscent of the other mechanisms, and a lot of them are actually the same thing. They tweaked a few things here and there. But the beauty of this was there was no map. The idea of a civilization game with no map was alien to the gaming community at the time. It's like, how yeah. can you not have a map? And oh, Nations is another one that doesn't have a map. But if you've played Nations, Nations is sort of a derivative of Through the Ages a bit, too. It's definitely not – it's not the – the event now that it, it was then, but you know, at the time, no map, that's crazy. Uh, and the fact that there are so many cards and so many different paths you can take your civilization down. I'm drawn to the path where you go, you know, heavy science and you let your science generate, uh, it generates military strength for you and generates culture for you, but you can't go, you can't go all in on one thing as you said your brother saw, right? If you go all in on military, you're just not generating enough culture to, to score you the in-game points. If you go all culture with no military, then you're at risk, right? Uh, and I think the number of players, as that goes up, you're in, at more of risk because you have more players that can sort of do offensive things to you. If there's a criticism of the game, I think it's that you sort of have to stay within striking distance of the leader military-wise if you have a lot of players in the game. Because if you are the weakest militarily, you can get beat up on a lot. There's some variants you can use to stop that. But yeah, there's just yeah, those uh, the, the event cards can some of those can really if, if you're uh, the weak military in a big game. Yeah. And it's got all the cool stuff in the game. It's got happiness. You know, it's got the production when you talk about your your food and your your 
your bronze or your ore, that stuff. It's got science that you can generate. It's got uh, religion. It's got culture. And you are juggling all these things simultaneously with the cards that are coming out on the board. Further, the actions are broken up into civilization actions and military actions. And it's very cool that you can change your you can change your form of government to give you more military actions and less civil actions or more civil actions and less military actions. Yeah, that, uh, that is one of my favorite parts too. I didn't even think about that. And and also the way that you can the way you can change your government. Like you, you can do it. You can. Uh, it's a science. Is it science that lets you? Yeah. It's you science. A, yeah. Yeah. You get enough. It costs you a lot of science to do it. Yeah. There's a lot of science. You can just go peacefully and keep on rolling, or you can be like, you know, what? screw this, burn it down. And you revolution just, time. Yep. Lose a turn and go. That that is that's it, it. That that's really cool. Is it take up a ton of space and take a very long time to set up? It, it, it does like not actually, because it's all it's all card driven, right? So you lay the boards out, you put a few markers on a few things, shuffle up a couple of decks of cards, and in fact, since you go through multiple eras, you only have to shuffle era one card decks, lay them out, and then as you're playing the game, when you have a little bit of downtime, you can shuffle the era two cards. So you can sort of prepare for later games during the you know the quiet moments early game. So it doesn't yeah. take that long to set up. It does take quite a bit of time to play especially in a you know real world setting the app speeds it up a bit because it does a lot of the bookkeeping for you <clears throat> but generally thing every turn you're generating some amount of science some amount of culture and and you know you got to be careful with those tracks when you're doing that it adds a little bit of time to it yeah i think my only real criticism i have of it is a it's a this is a very 2020 criticism to have um i wish there was more non euro leaders in the game i mean there's there's a few you know there, there's a few but you know like if if we can have sid meyer in the game let's get martin luther king in the game yeah you know yeah, yeah. uh and you know says so, you know uh let's get soon zoo in the game or you know that that's my only criticism but it's an older game so i can see why i wonder if there weren't to be fourth edition or whatever if some of that stuff would come in so that that oh that and the weird I'm shooting bronze rockets at you. Those are really my, my, my only two uh, criticisms. Of it. I mean, it's it's fun. I don't I don't know that I would want to play in person a five person game. Yeah. No. That's uh, once you get to the high player count, the the weight of the game time wise sort of outstrips it. I'll never forget. It's one of my favorite games. And somebody said, "Hey, this was a particularly slow player." This was years ago in our game group. Says, <clears throat> "Was it Tony? Because I hear he's the." No, slow. no, no. This is before I even met those guys. He said, "We're going to play through the ages." This was like nine o'clock at night. So this was not, the game day started like six and we went to like midnight at nine o'clock. He's like, we're going to play through the ages. Do you like this game? I said, oh, it's one of my favorites. He says, do you want to play? I said, nope. <laughs> and I said that because I knew there was no way we were, they were going to finish this game uh, that night. And they didn't even make it to the first age, right? Because oh. uh, we were watching them play and <clears throat> it went about like I thought it would. <laughs> it's funny, uh, a local convention that we were, me and my buddy, we were leaving. We were leaving, you know, a convention. we were leaving at midnight, 1 a.m., and I ask you not, there was six dudes setting up Twilight Oof. Imperium. Oof. And, and I forgot to check the next morning if they were still sitting there. I just, I, f I forgot because, you know, but that, oh, I left. I was like, that, those people are making horrible life choices. Exactly. Just, <laughs> That's why I stayed away from that one game through the ages. Like, sounds like a good idea, but I'm pretty sure in practical application, it's not going to be great. All right. So last one I got on my list. This is one of, this is probably my favorite published euro out there i'm gonna make that because merchants code is gonna knock it right off the list it's good to hear but euphoria is currently probably my favorite euro game with the expansion you got to have the expansion 
Oh, okay. The, uh, uh, the Ignorance is Bliss expansion. Otherwise, it's not nearly as good. It's just, for me, well, the production's great. All Stonemaier productions are great. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the way the AI has been written into it, and so the way my wife and I do it is we, we, we just co-op it. You know, <laughs> as long as we both win before the AI, you know, see earlier conversation about not messing up my wife's plan because I want, mm-hmm. you know, to stay in the home. You know, but she, she likes that one. She enjoys it. The theme is pretty decently realized if you take the time to like read the cards mm-hmm. you know and you funny there's yeah. a lot of humor in it yeah you can make it all mechanics if you want but if you stop and you pay attention and you pay to what's wait what's going on here how did i get another worker oh i shocked somebody until they right. came and worked for me oh i sprayed this person down with a fire hose until they agreed to come work for me you know great funny stuff clean worker placement but the dice rolling is just enough of that randomness so anyhow i it, it was a huge shocker for me when I played. I was like, wow, wow that's good. I want to play that again. Like right now, I kind of want to go get my wife to play it with me yeah. like right now and just leave you to finish this, you know? <laughs> um, and it plays, that game plays much quicker than you would think, right? It plays relatively quick. I like all those aspects as well. I, I've come to really appreciate the underlying humor. You know, you talk about these markets you flip over. One of my favorites that may or may not be in your game, but, you know, if you flip it over, see, it's these different locations. And this one is the, the Cafeteria of Nameless Meat. And I just love that name. <laughs> well, you, 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 you're from the South. You've, you've eaten that nameless meat. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Just fry <laughs> no it. No question. Bread it and That's fry right. it. It's fine. We think yeah. it's spam. We're not sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> might be possum you know uh yeah that's uh, uh yeah it's one of the you know i just keep coming back to because it's it doesn't it doesn't do a lot that is novel that i had never done before i mean the the dice rolling how you can your workers can get too smart and then they're like oh, i'm not working for you right this random you know, element that come in can take a worker away from you yeah yeah you know and so you, you, you gotta manage the things with it you know that, that, that's kind of interesting i haven't played one that does that before but nothing about is novel but everything that it does it just it works, and so that, so that 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 one for me that that's probably currently my my favorite, my favorite euro that I got. And again, with that expansion, because the the AI is just flawless in it. It's really, just, I've never played with the AI in that game. I have to check oh, this it, out. It's lightning fast. It, it adds two bots, but you flip over two cards and you're like, oh, this goes here, this goes here, done. That's perfect. But, Finding a good AI that plays quickly like that, that's really golden, especially now as, you know, well, in COVID times, first of all, but as more solo gaming is, is coming on the scene, it's almost necessary to get a decent solo mode in games. Yeah, and especially so in Euro that's games. Game, that's good. Yeah, yeah. especially, and, you know, the uh, I, I've mentioned him like three times now because he doesn't mention himself. Uh, Drake Villarreal, who did the AI for Merchant's Cove, he's doing, and this is not hyperbole because I've met the dude, some of the best solo AIs out there. I will pick him over David Turtsey. I will pick him over Automata Factory any day of the week because what he's doing is it's quick and easy, but you're playing against a, a bot that's actually doing stuff. And it seems like they're making real choices. You feel right. like you're playing against an opponent. It's not one of the, oh, you score between 400 and 420 yeah. to 22. You are a god. You that's know. such a cheat. That's such a cheat, right? You kind of want to be playing against something, not playing to a certain point threshold. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much with you there. I think that's that's a huge cheat. Yeah, he's he did the solo for Endless Winter, which um, I'm so sorry to your wallet. Like you, you're gonna, no, you're no, gonna be you're on gonna, that. I've, I've written it down right here. <laughs> you're gonna be on that so quick. It's just you, you, if you don't love it, then your podcast is a liar. Oh, like that. Throwing down the gauntlet. 
Yeah, that's how confident I, I am on that. You know, I can't speak to anybody else on the podcast, but this one you're, you're going to be all about. But we got to start wrapping up at some point. But I'm just going to toss this out. If Jamie can get a copy, because maybe he can't, when things are back together, this game right here, when I haven't gotten to review it because COVID hit, yeah, is one that you have to film yourselves playing. Okay. It's called Coco Banana. I'm going to show you the back of this. I heard you talk about this before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I'm interested in you. Yeah. That yeah, seems like it, the kind of craziness that our crew would like, to be honest. You know, and it, it has, uh, yeah, that's right. Because I think uh, me and Mark Dainty talked about it. Yeah. Because, you know, it's just this bizarre, and, you know, I, I don't actually know how to play because the first set of rules I got were in Korean and that they sent me a PDF. But, like, we kind of worked it out. And I'm like, I think, I think we know what we're going we're gonna to try. But as near as I can tell, it has a coconut hat and a stuffed banana and you're playing cards and at some point something happens and you're racing to grab the hat or the banana and so if i grab the banana first you gotta get the hat and put it on your head before i can hit you on the head with the banana and i want to see all five of you guys or six, six of you however many you can get six, in the room yeah. playing that because it's either the most brilliant game ever made or the worst <laughs> and it could be both yeah well it's funny this this company man do games that's what they do i got this other one called kushi express which is about making meat skewers that's and it's funny. a dexterity game and uh some buddies of mine were over and we're like all right let's try this and my buddy reads the rules and he looks at me he's like this is brilliant or horrible and i don't know <laughs> yeah. but you know we knew it was good because when we finished like there's it's a surprise ending like sometime in the last six cards or whatever the game ends mm -hmm. and it finished and all of us went oh Oh, that was over. Yeah, yeah. so you know, yeah. but Coco Banana, get right, Jamie we'll have on to check it. that out. Have you played? It, so, so your description of it did remind me though. Have you played Happy Salmon? No, I haven't. It's, I need to check up. <laughs> check out Happy Salmon, and if you dig enough, you might be able to find a video of some of the Cabal guys, myself included, playing Happy Salmon at Jamie's house one day. And it's uh, there were these guys playing a Euro game. And they couldn't concentrate because we're playing Happy Salmon and they, they pan from the game over here and we're just acting crazy. That's the game Happy Salmon. And pointing back, they're trying to play this dry Euro game and we're over there slapping hands and high-fiving and twirling. It was great. Well, see, that, that that's the thing when, when conventions happen again. You know, you can get your Happy Salmon, I'll get my Cocoa Banana, and we'll just get two tables on either side of the, uh, you know, the historic war game and just... That's right. <laughs> just Make go to faces at each other. Yeah, yeah you know, and the, but we can do it over them, you know, and then whoever... Uh, Whoever gets beat up first, they lost. You, know? you have to find me at the next Origins that actually occurs, right? Because yeah. that's one of my favorite conventions. You know, it, it was great. I was just going to go back to that one because it was so much fun. Because, you know, Jen kind of always heard it's more packed and big and everything. Yeah. But, you know, like, I can't I can't pretend to be a gamer if I haven't gone to Gen Con. This is true. You know, got, got to do it. But we went way over time. I really, really appreciate you, you spending the time to hang out. I'm just going to leave it with this. This is your chance to steal Tony's bit. Oh, your words of wisdom for everybody. Oh, you just can't tell Tony that I offered words of wisdom, okay? Because well, I think you know, he's we'll, copyrighted we'll, that. I'll yeah, get kicked we'll, off the we'll, podcast. We'll just folksy it up, you know? Okay. We'll just find some you know, folksy way to say it, you know, but, but we'll all know. Okay, so we'll call it words of redneck wisdom. That's what we'll call it, right? So, yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah, so I knew that the other guests that you'd had, had you'd ask them about word of wisdom. I did a little bit of thinking, but I didn't script anything, right? But I did think this is an interesting time that we're in because COVID is unlike anything we've had to deal with as a nation, right? And it's at a time when we have to deny ourselves a bit of that thing that is very 
integral to being a human, right? And that's the social aspects of things. There are a lot of people, you know, you've seen, we've seen, unfortunately, you know, uh, mental health cases and, and, and suicide rates and stuff like that rise. So, so anything any of the listeners can do, any of the viewers can do to reach out to someone, tell them you're thinking about them, give them a smile for the day, and uh, hopefully you'll get a smile in return. That goes a long right way in a human sense, right? Uh, we, we've had a chat now for about an hour and a half, Will, and, you know, I love chatting with people. So, so take advantage of the, you know, technology you have on hand to communicate with people and just be human because a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people out there, even if you don't know, may need that interaction, and you could be the difference in someone's day and in someone's life just by reaching out and saying, hey, thinking about you, want to talk to you, having a good time, being around you, even if it's remote like this. So that would be my words of wisdom to your viewers. Uh, go be the smile in someone's day. Oh, that was, you, you spent a lot of time on that go be the smiles in someone's day, didn't you? Like, <laughs> I came up with that on the fly, man. Don't tell Tony <laughs> Topper. Don't tell Tony like, Topper. If, if I could do it, and I had the, the technical savvy, I would totally get the uh, you know, do, 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 <laughs> thing going over. You said that? The caption comes over. Yeah, I, I feel like I should, I'm just going to cut that little bit because, you know, I'm in San Jose, California. Tony's somewhere this down the street. I'll just go find, I'll just you know, slide that under his door and leave it. You know, and it says, uh, to Tony, love Don, screw you. You know, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's how I hope he interpret. <laughs> right. But anyhow, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I enjoyed myself. Everyone who's listening or watching, if you're just watching, you'll find a link down in the description to just the podcast version. There's also going to be a link to the secret cabal as well as if I can dig it up the bag of penis episode. I will have a link to that as well. Don't listen to it with speakers in a public place is all I'll say right. about that. And Don, thank you so very much for joining us. Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks for inviting me, Will. Have a good one, everybody. What do you actually do? They keep saying you're a mathematician. I am a mathematician. This is one of the things I was going to talk to you about. Um, so I can't really talk about exactly what I do. I can talk about it in generic terms. Oh, would you have to kill me? Would you have to... Go all something, ghost dad and come through the computer. Something along those lines, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I've been married almost 30 years, Will, so. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. You, you don't look like a rock anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm George Costanza at best, man. Oh. <laughs> He's, now, George has got too much hair. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. if he'd shave himself, a freshly shorn George Costanza, that's more my speed. <laughs> Ooh, that's like the nightmare gift. I got you a freshly shorn George Costanza. <laughs> that's right.